0: On this episode of the Actual Fluency Podcast, I'm joined by Toki Pona creator Sonia Lang, and we talk about how it is to create a con language and the meaning of life.
1: Welcome to the Actual Fluency Podcast, the podcast that gives you the tools and inspiration to learn languages faster and more efficiently. And now your host, Chris Broholm.
0: Saluton, everyone out there. This is Chris Rolm, and you're listening to the Actual Fluency Podcast. I want to welcome you to a special episode, and this, today's episode uh, is with Toki Pona creator Sonia Lang. Sonia is a very interesting person, and she just released the official Toki Pona book, details of which you can find on actualfluency.com forward slash Toki so that will redirect you to where you can pick up that book. It's also on Amazon, and I've, I've been promised that it will be on the Kindle marketplace as well soon enough. But before I get into the interview with Sonia, I just wanted to thank everyone for listening and for leaving a comment or for interacting with the show in any any sense. I've been receiving a lot of emails uh, about people, uh, people's comments and feedback. And it's been really, I mean, it's just super nice that you, you guys take the time to do that. You know, um, it really makes makes it all worth it so you know shout out to those people you know who you are and and you so much even if I had if I didn't respond to you I'm, I'm so sorry if I didn't uh, but I, I do read every single message so if you want to send me an email it's chris at actualfluency.com and um, put whatever you want in there you know uh, I, I love getting emails today is episode 20 and you might have thought that well that's cause for celebration, isn't it? And you're right. You know, 20 episodes of of a podcast is a big cause of celebration. There is a little but, and it might be a big but, actually. The problem is that I skipped episode 13, not because I'm particularly uh, superstitious, but, but because I know that the number has certain negative ramifications in other cultures. So out of respect for, for them and, you know, sort of just to... I guess why why do it anyway? You know why take the risk? You know there are people who are who don't like that number. I, I didn't want the great content of that episode to be missed, so that became episode fourteen. So technically, this is only episode nineteen. But um, for the next episode, episode twenty-one, I do have a special surprise planned, and it's going to be a very exciting episode. It's going to be an interview with kind of the guy who started the whole thing for me and we're gonna get a chance to kind of pick his brain and and see what's going on right now Uh, i won't reveal the name now but you might guess it from you know context or maybe if you read my berlin trip report but either way i'm looking forward to next episode it's episode 20 and you know i just want to thank you guys for for supporting uh, the site and I also want to just take a moment to give a shout out to one of the partners of the website. It's been very helpful. Uh, italki. Uh, I'm an active Italki tutor. I teach uh, Danish. Have had a uh, quite a few students now, and it's been very fun. And I'm actually looking into going, uh, getting some Russian lessons to improve my speaking and. Uh, listening so if you know any Russian tutors on italki or maybe you are one yourself who speaks a high level of English that's very important to me as well so they can explain it very clearly what they're trying to say sometimes you know I I, of course I'd I'd like most of it to be in Russian but you know I need high level of English to explain those details I'm not that good at Russian yet Um, but yeah italki you can find all kinds of tutors for every language in the world I'm sure and you pay very little for it I mean usually you can find people at you know ten dollars or less per hour which is very cheap for europe uh, european countries and if you're looking at you know countries where the currency isn't as strong then you can find it even cheaper so check out italki Uh, you go to actualfluency.com then you put in forward slash italki and that will bring you to the italki site along with uh, sort of my referral so they can see that you came from me and um, it's spelled I-T-A-L-K-I, I T A L K I, I talk E. And uh, I know there's some debate, you know, uh, Lindsay from um, uh, Lindsay loves languages. Uh, Lindsay does languages, I think. She does love languages, truly. Uh, but uh, Lindsay does languages, and she calls it I talk I. And I've heard other people use that as well, but I just find that Toki sounds better. I don't know. It, what do you prefer? You know, put it in the comments. But before I ramble on too much, again, I just want to say thank you for for being here and, and listening to the actual Fluency Podcast. You know, I'm doing it for you, your sake and, and mine as well. Um, but here is the interview with Sonia Lang, the creator of Toki Pona. Enjoy. All right. On the show today, I'm excited to welcome Sonia Lang. Sonia is the creator of the constructed minimalist language Toki and she recently released the official Toki book. So, Sonia, how are you doing today?
1: I'm great, Chris. How are you? Fantastic.
0: It's so exciting to talk to you, and we're definitely going to get into Toki Pona, obviously. But before we get into the the Toki to- topic, I'd just like to uh, to go back and talk to you, talk about you for a second. Because uh, obviously a lot of people know who you are now that you've come to the Berlin Gathering and published the book. But maybe take a step back and talk about how you got started with language. How did your fascination start and any language history you might have had in, in the past?
1: Sure. Um, well, I grew up in a part of Canada uh, called New Brunswick, which is officially bilingual. It's uh, it's like one of the few parts of Canada where people actually speak French and English side by side in the same city. Um, and I grew up in a family where I spoke to my father in English and spoke to my mother in French. Um, so from a young age, I was always kind of aware that there were many languages out there and and different uh you know different ways of connecting with people and different ways of thinking and different cultures uh and i think that that's what made my curiosity uh, begin
0: cool and and did you start what was your first sort of language outside english and french you got into
1: in high school, um, I had the chance to study Spanish, and uh, that was very interesting to me. And uh, also in high school, I started studying Esperanto, uh, which is also a constructed language. And I was I was fairly young. I was probably like 15 or 16 when I became fluent in Esperanto.
0: Fantastic. And obviously, that's, that's possibly what led into the, the conlanging fa- fascinating later on?
1: I think so, yeah. I mean, it's... Uh, it's funny because when I had heard about Esperanto, it was kind of like a joke. Like people were saying, like, "Oh, there's this language. That's the world language, but nobody <laughs> speaks it." And I was like, "Oh, i I have to learn this language now, just just to like make jokes about it." But but, but, it's but it's then I realized, is... oh, actually people, people people actually speak Esperanto. Like people actually go and travel, and like there's a connection. There's a community of people who travel with it, and like it's strange. Like when you explore these different. These different worlds, these different communities—like, uh, they're—it's alive. Like, there's people who do this thing, you know.
0: Yeah, it's like a subculture. I feel almost uh, Esperanto.
1: It's true. Yeah.
0: You see that the uh, like at the Polygon Berlin gathering we were both at. There were so many Esperanto speakers there, and uh, obviously the event itself was based on a lot of Esperanto concepts. So I, I guess that was a place where you could maybe practice the old Esperanto a bit.
1: Exactly. Yeah.
0: Oh, great. So you moved on from Esperanto in, in high school.
1: And uh, in uh, in university, I got interested in sort of classics. Like I, I originally wanted to study like ancient Egyptian hieroglyphs in, in university. Oh, yeah. Um, but then I, I found a place that had Latin. And I was like, okay, that's good. You know, good classics, the foundation, you know. Uh, so I did Latin for a year and German. And uh, there's kind of a point when I realized that the German was more useful than the Latin because it's like there's actually a country where people speak German (laughs) today you know and it's so uh, so I did um, I did like an exchange program with my university and uh, lived in Germany for a year and had the opportunity to travel a bit and uh, I think that's like probably the year that started uh, a lot of my sort of language It, it made my language dreams sort of come true because I had the chance to to like meet people from lots of different places and, and practice these languages. And, uh, in my spare time as well, I was, um, I found that like, you know, learning Spanish and German and these languages, they're very similar to English and French. So I was looking for a challenge. Mm. And that's when I started like going like into more exotic languages and exploring like Finnish and Chinese and sign languages and things like that.
0: Incredible. So you just, you were just kind of going into it for the uh, kind of the exoticness of the, the languages.
1: Exactly. Yeah. And, and as a kind of a challenge, you know, because it's uh, uh, when you learn a language that's related to your own language, you, you know, uh, like in your case, Danish and, you know, maybe German or Danish and Norwegian. Like, you know, there's so many words that are similar. The structure right. is similar. Like it's uh, I, I wanted to really kind of like uh, challenge myself and almost like an uh, anthropological adventure you know go into yeah, like adventure. a different you know d- like a different time zone in a different country <laughs> a different world you know
0: yeah so what 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 kind of realizations or maybe surprises did you did you come to when you were exploring Finnish and, and Chinese these very different languages from your own
1: um it's hard to answer i mean i i i think it, for me it was just like the 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 it was kind of like an intellectual curiosity like i just wanted to see how language had 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 grown and how i mean it's difficult it's difficult to separate language from culture from civilization from you know from beliefs and religions and history and uh, you know identity like all these things are like very closely interconnected so it's um it's i don't know it's it's the key to the humanities in my opinion yeah to
0: understand a, a human soul is through the language isn't it so yeah perfect and uh, and so you, you you got a degree in german and what was the other one
1: um yeah my my degree was in german and french so kind of like oh, okay. like the literature linguistics uh, um that kind of thing um and uh, i mean that was like what i was doing by day and then by night i was kind of just studying other <laughs> languages and experimenting and poking at things and taking things apart and trying to right. invent new languages and
0: but I think a lot of people. Um, I think a lot of people have have that same kind of way of life where they study something at university. It could be linguistics, and then they go home and they study, you know, ancient Greek or uh, some some other obscure language. So uh, it, it it's funny to talk to to these people. I, I met a lot of them in Berlin as well. I mean, it, I, I find it really fascinating that again the subculture of wanting to know more than what is readily available. Um, but. That's when you started experimenting with creating your own Does, is that when it started already?
1: I think so. Yeah, I mean when I was um I don't remember what age, maybe I was like maybe uh in my older teenage years, I, I had invented a language called Übenr uh, which was kind of just like I think it was influenced from uh, Dadaism. Uh there was um I think it was German Schwitters uh, who like made all these weird sound poems with like bizarre sounds that you know just throwing strange sounds together because when you think about it you know like the languages we speak they use like certain parts of the tongue and certain parts of the you know our anatomy in certain ways but like you know you can explore and you can find like new sounds and new new uh new combinations and patterns and uh so i I think yeah i was kind of inspired by like a lot of this kind of uh dada sound poetry stuff and uh i was just putting together sounds for fun um and, you know, like uh, language is a combination of sounds, but also like ways of structuring your thoughts. So it was sort of like a self-exploration type thing as well. Oh,
0: right. So you used it as a, a kind of a way of exploring your own kind of being.
1: Exactly. Yeah.
0: That, that's pretty deep. But <laughs> well, That's a good thing, of course, and that, that you can kind of use, that you can make something of your own that helps you. I find that very strong. And I'm sure we'll get into that in a minute when we get to, to Pona as well. Um, but what what did you do just to, to, to kind of uh, wrap up your own personal story? When you left university with the degree, did you go into traditional kind of uh, working with the languages and maybe translating or communication in, in that kind of sense? Or did you go totally different?
1: a little bit yeah i mean i worked uh, for a communications agency for a few years uh, doing like translation and working with media like monitoring media and things like that um and uh, eventually i Went f- and worked for government uh, where various levels of government in Canada and uh, just like in Europe, like there's official languages and sometimes documents need to be available in, okay. in many languages. So that's, you know, th- that requires translators, but not only translators. It requires people to kind of coordinate, you know, the, tr- the projects and, and, you know, like sort of uh, project manager type people and coordinators and uh you know this kind of stuff sure um and um i did some teaching for a while like teaching french um, at a adult education center like a community college mm-hmm. um i worked in it for a few years like with uh, email servers kind of like doing the whole cyber security thing like protecting your email server from hackers and and, and this kind of stuff cool. uh, i i guess i just follow my uh i follow inspiration and opportunity and uh you know it's
0: Great. And, and you, you said, um, we talked briefly uh, before the interview, and you said that your language learning was on a bit of a what would you call it a hiatus maybe and uh, it was a bit of a, a low priority for you right now is that something you're bringing back soon or do you
1: feel like i think so yeah i think so i think there's a period like i'm i'm 35 right now and like there's a period like when you're a student you have sort of like the opportunity to be more creative and wild and and, and try things you know and mm-hmm. i think when you reach like uh, i don't know there's like a stage in adulthood where your like priority becomes like oh i need to have a good job and i need to have money and you know all that kind of dream stuff kind growing of stuff uh, yeah i grow up <laughs> stuff you know you gotta you gotta you gotta be responsible so like that you know put like I mean some of my hobbies I guess I had to put on you know as a, sure. on a lower priority right so
0: so you but um, you want to maybe come back to that after you've been have you've established your life you want to come back and maybe revive some of that
1: it's true yeah um I mean uh, another opportunity I should mention that I, I'm really grateful to uh, grateful about is um I guess it's connected to Esperanto as well but um there was a uh, there was like uh, some projects where um, the Council of Europe was holding seminars, and it was between two groups. It was like an Esperanto youth group and um, a youth group that was involved with um, uh, like uh, alternative, like uh, basically alcohol-free lifestyle, where people like choose not to drink and still have fun. Um, and because this these two groups had different working languages, like one group was Esperanto as their language, and the other group was English, um, they required conference interpreters. So I did a bit of work uh for the council of europe as a as a conference conference interpreter as well where you kind of like just hide in the kind of like the aquarium at the back and you just have like speakers and you just have to repeat what everyone is saying you know in in both both directions that was fun too yeah, that's like really fun.
0: <laughs> it it does sound exciting. I talked to uh, uh, a guy called Robert, who is also at the Berlin. He's a he's a f- kind of a full time in in that field, or used to be anyway. And and he also says it's it's a lot of fun. And he would do it. You know, he speaks like ten languages or something, and does interpreting in four. So it it, it sounds exciting, definitely to be. I guess you're in the action. It's happening now. You're not sitting with a piece of paper and old speech or something. You can just kind of doze off at. But it's happening now. You have to respond. Again, the um, I guess the stimulation, the intellectual challenge is, is again yeah. drawing you there, isn't it?
1: Yeah, and you have to be like you have to be fast, and you have to be prepared for any topic, right? Like, I mean, if they're, you know, if the to- if the conference, if people are talking about like whatever project management, or if they're talking about environmental science, or if they're talking about like whatever the topic has to be, like you have to know the language and you have to know the words for that right. in that field, right? So it's it's. Uh, <laughs> It's, I don't know, it's fun. A large vocabulary
0: is required.
1: Yeah, exactly. And and you have to have it quick, you know, like, because sometimes I'm, there's many languages that I've studied that if you told me like, okay, like read, you know, read this ancient text and you have all day and I can be like, okay, no problem. I can, you know, I've got dictionaries, I've got tools, I can take my time, I do it properly. But when you're like live, you have to be prepared, you know, you have to be,
0: (laughs) you have to roll with it. You're on the spot. Exactly. Um, speaking of on the spot, uh, you were at the uh, the Berlin gathering. You're doing a talk on conlanging. And, yeah. And how did you find the the conference overall? Did you enjoy hanging out there and talking to people?
1: Yeah, it was really great. Um, like I knew the organizers, uh, Judith and Chuck, mm-hmm. from sort of like the my Esperanto years back in the day when I was living in Europe, and yeah. uh, they're still active. And I mean, I have a lot of respect for people who you know, who organize conferences because it's easy to just show up as a, as a participant and, you know, but people do the hard work to, you know, organize and make, you know, make sure that the, the, the money adds up and the, you know, people are registered and all that stuff. So, uh, so when I, when I heard that they were doing that and it coincided with me, um, uh, working on my tokipona book because uh, like basically I invented this language tokipona like when I was younger and uh, people have been telling me like oh we want to buy a book so I'm like okay I gotta I gotta write a book <laughs> so so I, when the book when I finally got you know the time to 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 put together a book I was like okay I have to you know I have to go out there and and sort of tell the world that the book is out now right. uh, so I chose that event um To have basically like the book launch, like where the first first copies of the book were available and people could you know start a buzz and people can start talking about it.
0: Excellent. And uh, obviously there were uh, there was a Toki Pona talk at the conference as well, so the buzz was definitely in the room. I could I could tell. It's probably the busiest uh, talk in that room, with the TV crew there as well. The the film students were in there as well, and and poor Chris. Uh, He's he's my good (laughs) friend. Um, He must have felt a little bit uh, of pressure, you know, having the the creator of the language in the room and then (laughs) 100 people crammed into such a small space and the TV camera and a huge microphone. But, um, but uh, rumor has it, he did very well. So
1: Hopefully yeah, he did. Happy. He did perfect. I mean, he, he did much better than I could ever do. I mean, that's uh, <laughs> it's it's strange. Like I was like because people, they initially approached me and they said, why don't you like Sonia give a talk about Tokipona, your language that you made? And I was like, no, no, I don't want to because <laughs> it's strange. But it's like for me, I never made Tokipona with the intention of like it being out there like for the world. It was just like my own private little thing that I did as part of my creative process. Um, you know, just like an artist might be just writing on paper for fun and, and, you know, exploring themselves and sort of personal personal therapy or personal trying to understand the world. Uh, but uh, I guess, you know, the fact that it's the language is out there, people are using it, people are finding it interesting. Uh, it means that it has a, a certain value. So I have to, right. I, I guess I have to accept that. I'm, just, it's, I'm still yeah. struggling with that.
0: Well that's great that's great. I guess I guess um I guess we can't really uh, postpone talking about it anymore. We we're so close that we we're almost uh, at the fence. But let's let's go back to to creating Toki Pona. Like sure. um you you already I already said it was a minimalist constructed language and you already just gave a little introduction. But if you had sort of let's say 30 seconds in a, in an elevator or lift depending <laughs> on what country you're in um to kind of give the advantages or kind of the like the um the unique selling point of tokipona what well, what how would you use those thirty seconds?
1: Um, it's basically a pigeon. I mean, like you know when people from different cultures, different uh, you know civilizations uh, come together, then uh, they have to communicate uh, you, you want to focus on the simple things that everyone has in common. so uh, in the case of tokipona, uh, one of my Sort of goals was to make a language with 120 words, so very few words, and with 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 those core words, you can express everything. Um, that was the challenge. How um, did you
0: arrive so at 120?
1: I um, at first I didn't have any specific number. I was just trying to simplify concepts in my head. Uh Uh, So, I mean, an example that I use is like there's no word for teaching, for example, but there's a word for knowledge and there's a word for giving. So a teacher is a person who gives knowledge. Um, And so this kind of simplification process where you take ideas and then you kind of break them down into the most simple meanings that are within them. That's that, that was the process for me. Like that's I just continued doing that until I had something that worked well with itself. And it was roughly roughly 120 words. So I was like, "That's it. You know, this is what I got to do." And uh, so, so I had to come up with the grammar and and sounds <laughs> and other things too, right? Like it's not just words. Right. But, uh,
0: but so you, so what you're saying is you didn't you didn't start with one word and then two, then three, and so on. You actually started with let's say a full working English vocabulary, and then you just said, "Well, this is really not needed. This is redundant. This isn't really mm-hmm. needed." And then you had 120 left.
1: Yeah right yeah basically okay. yeah because and i mean it, I it's close the other way
0: uh, ridiculously enough but I, I i'm not you know and it's online, but
1: and, and for me i mean the the language was kind of like a, a therapeutic kind of process like i was um like i think i was going through depression and i was like trying to understand like you know what is life what is you know what are these deep things right. like you know why do we do this or what like um so you know in in this process i was trying to let go of the extra things, you know, like what you were saying, what is redundant. Right. And, right. um, you know, like, uh, we, we were talking a bit, uh, uh, in Berlin, there was, um, the author of another book who, uh, who said that he he travels and he has like a certain limited number of kilograms that he just carries with him. Right. right. And it's, uh, sometimes you have to simplify your life, you know, and you have to purify and just let go of things that are not helping you and that you're just holding on to. Um, yeah.
0: I mean, I find this a really uh, amazing. I, I told you this as well, and th- but the only uh, the only uh, question I had with with that regard, and I will repeat now, and I'll, I invite you to repeat your answer as well because I really liked it. Yeah. Um, basically, my my question was that if you're trying to find the meaning of life, in which is the headline on your website or the official website, um, isn't it? Shouldn't it? The meaning of life be incredibly complex. <laughs> in, you know, why is the language yeah, yeah, yeah. To, to find the meaning of life very simple?
1: That's a good question. I mean, and of course, you—the the reality is—is is there's no one answer, right? I mean, if you ask, like a you know like a theoretical particle physicist uh, <laughs> physics expert you know what's the meaning of life and he'll you know he'll have a whole bunch of formulas and and try to show you what's going on with with uh, particle physics and and you know cosmology and things like that sure. if you ask like a, you know like a religious person they'll be like god there you go one one word answer everything right. is god god made it simple uh, you know and, and those are two you know extremes right but it's uh, uh, you know and 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 different things define us, right? Like whether it's our relationship with people who are close to us or whether it's, you know, like the, the, the work that we do or, or, um, you know, are, are, are able to connect, connect with right. nature or are, are eating food, sleeping, like the activities that we do, like our habits, you know, what do you do in a typical day? And then if I took that typical day, like what what you do in one day and repeat it like thousands of times, that's your life. You, that's what you do, yeah. you know, and there, there's so many angles, right, to, to look at this. So, right. um, I mean, for, for me, inventing Tokipona was my own angle, if you will. It was like my own personal uh, way of approaching the the problem.
0: Right. Cutting away the unnecessary and looking at the core.
1: Exactly. Yeah.
0: Right. Because if I had to create a con language, I would probably be like, well, my thoughts are so elaborate and crazy and complicated that I can't even explain them. So my language thus must be very complicated as well. Have you know, 390 cases and 15 genders or whatever. Yeah yeah, 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 you know where i'm going with this
1: yeah yeah it's tempting to do that too like it's part of the fun of like uh yeah i mean like there the must be a word for every single thing right, and right, and i mean there's and i mean if you talk to people of different languages there's always these untranslatable words right like where uh you know like you were you're explaining how in danish there's this word that means something like a type of comfort right. and well-being that is just uniquely danish right that's just uh, what is it uh Hygi yes and and i mean if you if you talk to like a brazilian you know they'll be like oh saudade and like they everyone has these words that are <laughs> yeah, very unique
0: talked about as well
1: yeah yeah in fin- in finnish there's this concept of uh, sisu this kind of i don't know it's courage. kind of like it's this courage this yeah. grit this like you know this type of ability to endure what life throws at you and um I, and i i love i love you know learning about these things um uh, but, you know, underlying all this, there there's a, a common experience, right? Like we're all in the, on the same planet. Sure. We're all basically human beings. So, like, why is it that we've come up with all these different maps of how to understand reality?
0: Right. Um, you said that, that Togipona is essentially a pigeon. And I, I, from l- reading your book a little bit, I, I definitely, definitely had the same feeling from my, you know, linguistics 101 that I did uh, one semester off. So I, I'm not an expert or anything, but isn't the idea of a pidgin that it's kind of a stage before it becomes a, a Creole and then sort of becomes a language? Do you feel like Tokipona is evolving into something else or, or, or was it always designed in a way that it should be a fixed kind of entity?
1: That's like a very good question. Um, and um, it's it's actually a question I don't have the answer to. Because, um, I mean, when I first sort of published Tokipona on the internet like in I think it was 2001 uh I didn't even realize that the language like sort of was becoming more popular like it was something that I sort of did for fun and you know like there was like a little chat room and I was talking to some people who some people who you know sort of were the early adopters of the language I guess and um but I mean I'm 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 a bit out of touch like I'm not really active in all the different Tokipona things that are going on out there right so it's uh uh, in my absence the language of course like you say like it it, it evolves people use it in certain ways and uh, like i don't have control over that and i don't want control over that like it's just kind of its own okay it's like music right like i mean a musician can make art you know and then it, it might become like you know popular or people might sample it and reuse parts of it and make a new song and it's that's uh, that's part of the beauty i guess
0: right when when did you first kind of realize that okay this quite a few people doing this
1: um maybe like one or two years i guess after i i first created it i I realized that like yeah this is sort of this is catching on and i think part of its popularity is the simplicity right like i mean people i mean a lot of people are like hey i, I want to learn another language but you know who has time right like i i you know like learning arabic or chinese like that's gonna take a, a few years but right. Pona is like oh you know i've got a weekend i can just you know learn a new <laughs> language over the weekend
0: <laughs> yeah how many pages were, was the book was it about 80 or something
1: uh, the book is 134 pages. Right. I'm just holding it in my hand here. Yeah.
0: Okay, so that's that's the and Magnum is saying that is the guide. That is your kind of entire walkthrough of Tokipona.
1: Pretty much. I mean, and that's, uh, I put in my free, I preface because I you know, like when, when you create sort of the, the underlying book that, like I mean, I like I said like this is, basically, let me, let me read from the preface here. Gotcha. I've got um, in this book I hope to present the language in its completed form. I hope to p- present the, com- the language in its completed form. This is the way I use Toki so that's my little like right disclaimer. Like this is, I mean, who am I? I'm the person who invented this language, and this is how I use the language. <laughs> but you know, <laughs> but you know, go ahead and do what you want, right? Like I, I've like at the very very end of the book, like. At like uh, the final lesson, like there's kind of the book has like lessons, dictionaries, little comic books and things like that. Uh, but the final lesson basically says, uh, now the rest depends on you. Go enjoy yourself, create, play and be Pona. So right. it's kind of like an invitation for you to 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 do what you want, you know, with the language now that you have seen what you know, how I use it.
0: Right. The, only, the, the thing I found interesting is that you decided why you kept going down to 120 words or, or thereabouts, um, and then you're like, well, I don't really know how it's going to evolve, but surely adding words to Tokipona would be kind of against the the original purpose wouldn't it
1: that's true that's true yeah and and it's it's a constant struggle even for myself i mean like there's days where i'm like oh you know we should totally have a word for like (laughs) you know vehicle you know and then you can you know from that concept of vehicle you could like you know make
0: lots of things
1: Like uh, for a long time, there were people saying like, oh, we should have a word for brother or sister, you know, because it's like a type of fellowship, you know, like when two brothers or a brother and a sister are together. It's like um, and it's challenging because, I mean, the more the more you say, no, we can't have that word, but we're going to simplify it. So instead of, you know, brother, we have a word for person. And then the word sama, which means same, also means like same generation or same category. Okay. so it turns out like the word the word for brother or sister, sibling, um, is the same word as the word for peer, like someone who's the same as you. Um. Socially equal. Exactly. Um, so, I mean, that's what I did. But, I mean, of course, you could have a word for brother, and, of course, you could have a word. I mean, it's uh, it, it's, it's very subjective, right? Um, and the more abstract you go... Like if you take it to the it's extreme, like it becomes a type of binary where it's like we have no ideas whatsoever. Everything is just ones and zeros, and it's (laughs) just. (laughs) And if you put the ones and zeros in this combination, then of course that means airplane. Like that's obvious. Like, it's
0: yeah, it's really fascinating. I'm sure that it's probably uh, it's a study of many many linguists looking at you know how how does it happen in you know in a natural setting. I remember reading about the Papua New Guinea uh, pigeon. Which is yeah. great, like a uh, helicopter, something like air fly Jesus or something, or Jesus fly yeah. fly or something, and it's really incredible. Um, I guess the kind of the what be interesting with Toki Pona going forward is that you know it was created, so h- how is it going to kind of develop compared to the pigeons of that were naturally sort of came from other languages, um, but you you don't seem to have any kind of you don't seem to be sort of afraid of any changes because just because it's different from what you created you kind of just saying well this is how i created it you can use it to however you feel is is correct
1: that's yeah that's my attitude basically and uh and i mean in the end i mean the the you know if people want to buy the book i mean you know people are going to make other things creatively with it but uh at the end of the day i can say well i made it here's the official book and you know if you want to support me as an artist you can you can buy it a copy of the book but if you want to go and use it for whatever you want like please like that's the whole point right like it's it's a language is not just something that's in a book it's something that's alive and that you can use and otherwise it, you know
0: right it. Uh, what was your experience uh, speaking about alive what was your experience speaking it at Berlin did you did you get a chance to speak to anyone
1: yeah yeah uh, many people approached me in Berlin speaking in tokipona and I replied in tokipona and it was kind of fun uh, and uh, there, i mean there were people there who have been using tokipona for like 10 years who who who, who were there right um, it's strange like it's the language has it's been around for long enough that it has a bit of history like even the book like uh, there's one of the early speakers of tokipona uh, rick miller who's who's now who's now passed away he's dead and so like i dedicated the book to to his memory oh wow uh, but it's like our, our our community has like history it's, yeah. it's, it's strange
0: great well, but um you know you you were talking about conlanging in general at the uh, yeah. at the Berlin gathering and i was catching kind of the tail end of that um this it was kind of a discussion i guess it was kind of like collaboration uh, yeah. you were trying to make your own con language in that little room did you call it room 3lang or something <laughs> silly like that
1: yeah it was yeah it was basically like for fun we just to sort of show how the process works uh you know, like, well, here's the sounds we have. Here are the ideas. Here are the grammatical options. Like, let's make a language, you know, in half an hour.
0: Right. And uh, it looked like a lot of fun. Um Excuse When you compared creating Toki Pona that long time ago, and then kind of, I mean, it wasn't really that serious, but if you had to create a new language now, would it be vastly no. different from when you first created Toki Pona? Have you learned anything from from that experience? Or do you feel like you would probably approach it similarly?
1: Um, The approach might be similar. I mean, there's only... But uh, it really depends on the situation. I mean, uh, like in, in the case of Tokipona, it was kind of like trying to create a simple language using universal kind of archetypes and ideas and things that every language has in common um, which which inspired me Um, but I mean if uh, another case where constructed languages are are popular is with um, like things like science fiction and fantasy where you have like a creator who you know is writing a novel or making a you know like a tv series or a, a movie and they want you know their little Aliens or whatever oh, their people right, yes. to have like you know to have like their own language like you know like Klingon or Avatar or Dothraki or one of these kinds right, of languages. Yeah. Um, so I mean, it, if I was designing a language for a TV show, I mean, of course that would be completely different. And it would be you know understanding the the, the setting and understanding the um, you know the way of thinking of 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 this culture and and the life kind of the the language that's created is an authentic language that can be studied and is a real language, right. but it puts to life their their sort of the you know the common identity of these people
0: right and then you wouldn't have to be constrained to let's say a minimalist approach then you could actually just say well it can be as redundant as i want if that's the kind of the cultural um exactly idea.
1: yeah yeah
0: excellent has there been any changes in 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 the tokipona since you from the first version to well maybe not the first version but the first time you said okay it's pretty done now to up to until now
1: yeah, I mean, there have been. Um, there's um, I, in the beginning, I was kind of like listening to everybody's feedback, where people are saying, "No, no, you should do this." No, no, you should totally do not do that. And like everyone was, everyone has an opinion, right? Sure. Like where they want to participate in the process. And in the beginning, I was kind of listening to everything. Um, and so, for example, some people said that like there's a word "ala" which means nothing, and then there's a word "ale." which means everything Uh, and some people were saying oh that's too similar you know like we should change it to ali and i was like okay that's fair you know so ali is not a word so i just decided that ali would be like a synonym to ale you could use either one and Uh it would mean the same thing like just how in english you can say either or either it's the same word you know (laughs) they're they're both acceptable so i I did i did a few things like that where um there is sort of some variation and and it's acceptable like you can use this form or that form and they mean the same thing right uh so that's like an example of of change did you Um, add
0: anything that you had kind of forgotten in the first rendition that you were like oh damn i should have put a word in for this
1: uh not that i can think of i mean i added a few there's a few words that were more recent like uh in the, in the beginning, like Tokipona was kind of inspired by like the hunter-gatherer kind of primitive lifestyle. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the words for food reflected that. Like there was a word for like animal. And so if you were like eating animal or eating a bird, like you would directly you just eat the animal or the bird. Sure. Um, and then I thought, okay, we need to add agriculture now, you know, like this is like civilization has moved beyond <laughs> hunter-gatherers. We need to like grow our own food. So um so i added a word uh pan which means like a cereal or a grain so something like wheat or rice or right. or bread um or macaroni or whatever like anything that's in that kind of category
0: pretty flexible uh vocabulary
1: yeah and that's part of the fun you know like it's uh, each word has so many different meanings um but they're all related so it's not i mean some of them are a bit of a stretch but it's uh it's part of the exercise, you know, it's part of the sure.
0: fun. And that's kind of the charm as well. But Is is it ever a struggle for the um, when you're c- communicating in Pona that sometimes it's a bit too ambiguous for, you know, understanding?
1: A little bit. I mean, the, the whole idea was, uh, I mean, part of the spiritual uh, element of Tokipona for me was always about being present like in the present moment, in the present context. Um, so, I mean, if you're talking about, you know, like a, a grain or cereal or rice or wheat or something like that, and, you know, you're in the room with someone or you're in the field with someone, it's clear, like what, what you're talking about, right. right? It's not an abstract thing, like, oh, which of the 12 grains are you talking about? Like, mm. it's impossible to know. Oh, no, like it's, you know, it's not going to change your life. Like right. if you're, uh, you know, likewise, the word for like fruit and vegetable, it's the same word. Um, and so I mean if you you know you're hungry and you get a potato or you get a banana like you know you should just be happy and eat your potato and <laughs> right. you know it's so I mean I it's part of the philosophy of the language is that uh, this kind of minimalism is is good for us not you know sometimes it's better to just to just accept things as they are instead of trying to find more ways to make them complicated
0: right but you're not struggling for words when you're when you're speaking it to uh, for instance yo who's, is very um very good. I, I, yeah, I think, um, you're not struggling sometimes for like, hmm, how how can I say this? It it's not a problem.
1: I I don't struggle. I mean, I but I'm, uh, but it depends. I mean, you know, like if for everyday situations and you know friendship and exploring your thoughts and you know prayer and uh you know working together like these kinds of situations Tokipona works. You know, for uh, creative projects and stuff. But if you're you know if you're trying to I don't know. I mean, I'm surprised all the time. Like, I I always thought that, like, it, Tokipona could not be used in, like, for, like, a legal contract, you know? Like, oh, that's too complicated. Right. But there's two guys who did it. Like, there's an artist who who wrote, like, a legal contract that is selling the contract itself to another guy, and he wrote it in, like, Tokipo, Tokipona hieroglyphs, and it's, like, people are proving me wrong all the time, so what do i know i'm just uh <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's really i just incredible. i was i was just there in the beginning that's it
0: yeah so i mean it sounds like you have an amazing community around it
1: it's it's fun yeah it's all right
0: so what what kind of development we talked about what kind of evolution i suppose that the language would Undergo naturally, uh, but do you have any uh, any sort of wishes or uh, maybe even ideas that you'd like to do with the language going forward, or, or or are you like, well, I've done my part now. All that's left is the language can be spoken and enjoyed and done with what what, what do you please. Uh,
1: that's a good question. I mean, at some point, if it like if it becomes very serious that people are really want to know, like I try to respond to the needs of the people. But at the same time I try to remember that Tokipona was just my own little language to begin with, right? right? So it's it's I didn't do it for others in the beginning, but it's it's become a thing that others feel involved with it. So um, I, I don't know, I, I guess I've been, uh, there's been a lot of really good people in, in the Tokipona community. Um, there's, like, uh, like Matthew Martin has been doing a lot of really good work at trying to standardize things and, and you know, provide some type of governance to the, the, the <laughs> language usage. And there's, you know, people like Yop that you mentioned, he's, like, been there from the beginning, at, you know, administering, like, the the like moderating the discussion groups and and, and things like that so it's um i think it's like i think my part is kind of done like i think it's best if other people you know carry the torch of tokipona because it's more strength if it's not coming from me if it's coming from people who who believe in tokipona and and you know want to use it for whatever purpose they want to use it for
0: right but but at the same time if they see you on the street or they uh, happen to know your email address. They're welcome to send you a... Oh, of course, a- of a- course.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay, excellent. Well, I, I, I'm I almost done with, the, with, with okay. the questions I had, but I, there was just one thing I, I, I was wondering because I'm, I'm not into yeah. Conlang at all. I don't know anything about it. So maybe uh, if we don't, uh, we shouldn't probably get into too much detail, but if you had to give like one advice, your number one best tip somebody who was maybe already devising a con language of their own or maybe wanted to get into it what would be the best the the kind of the tip you know the 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 thing you wish you would have been told before you went into devising your con language
1: uh that's a good question um it's and it, it, it would depend on their situation i guess i would ask them like what their motivations are like is it are you do you want to create a language that has a community do you want to create a language for you know, a specific fantasy sci-fi world. You want to create some, like, a philosophical type of language to kind of organize your thoughts. And, uh, you know, the I guess I would start asking these kinds of questions, like, what's what are your goals? What are your motivations? And, uh, and try to guide them from there, you know?
0: So in another way, it's important not to kind of start assigning the language on a whim. You kind of need to get all your
1: i think so yeah yeah but then again house. you know sometimes it sometimes well, these creative things just come out uh, of their own as well too so it's it's hard to say i i wish i had the magic answer for you <laughs>
0: <laughs> well uh, I, I thought you provided a, a very good answer um and indeed all your answers have been very good and it, it's been a, a great pleasure to talk to you uh not not just in berlin and here but also uh, on skype and i i'm looking forward to to see more thank you. in the future thank you
1: Okay, Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Actual Fluency Podcast. For more information, be sure to check out actualfluency.com. Until next time, enjoy learning and have a great day.